Hi, I'm Emily Williams, the founder of the top success and personal development company for driven women called I Heart My Life. I grew my company from $442 to seven figures in my first 18 months. And since then, it's become a movement for women who know they're meant for something big and refuse to settle. At I Heart My Life, we operate with the belief that anything is possible and no dream is too big. We're all about combining business strategy, deep mindset work, high performance practices, money tips, and a whole lot of lifestyle to help you get the results you deserve in all areas of life. Because after all, we only get this one shot. This is your one-stop shop for all things inspiration. So grab your favorite drink and a pen and a notebook and get ready to be inspired. Oh, and if you're not a member of our community, go to iheartmylife.com slash join and receive all of our emails and announcements. And while you're at it, copy and paste this episode link and share it with three friends. Now on to the episode. Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 233. Are you choosing happiness or holding yourself hostage to your history? A conversation with Dr. James Rouse. So for those of you who have been in the I Heart My Life and Emily Williams community for a while, you will remember Dr. James as our very first I Heart My Life show guest. He joined the show back in 2018 when we launched it for the first time. And since then, he's been a huge part of our community. He's actually somebody who spoke on stage at I Heart My Life Live. I've personally worked with him, and I can honestly say he's become such a dear friend, and there's no one who can make me cry like Dr. James Rouse. Today, we're going to hear from Dr. James on a variety of different topics. I just wanted to free flow with him and just have conversations about happiness, love, joy, success, what drives him, what his morning routine looks like. And he truly is somebody who sees right through you and he touches you so deeply just with the words that come out of his mouth. Every sentence is like a poem. Every sentence has the power to transform you. And he really is somebody who I admire and want to emulate in so many different ways. I know that today's episode is going to be really important for you and really pivotal to your next level, as well as to your own self-love and the way that you look at the world. So what I recommend is that you put all distractions aside. You give yourself this time to go deep, to listen to what Dr. James has to say, and give yourself the gift of this episode. Let's dive in. Just kidding. One more thing. I highly recommend if you want to know more about Dr. James Rouse, visit episode one of the I Heart My Life show. This is where he shares his story in depth with our community, and he goes deeper with what really supported him in transforming his own life. He started off as somebody with an alcoholic father, someone who was told he would never amount to anything, and completely changed the game for himself, for his daughters, for his wife, and all the generations to come. I also recommend that you get my book, I Heart My Life. He's featured in the very last chapter. As you can see, he's had a huge impact on my life, my business, my mindset, my health, my worth. So I know you're going to love learning from him as well. Are you looking to transform your relationship with money? Are you looking to make more money? Are you looking to increase your sales or maybe support your team in making more sales? If so, keep listening. 
we have our iHeart Money course available just for you. This is my signature course that helps you uncover all the things that are stopping you from creating more wealth. We go through eight modules together. You get a workbook plus video trainings, as well as access to over 20 hours of group coaching calls that I recorded with real life women who want to make more money. You're going to get so much from this program, and I want to give you an opportunity to get it at 15% off. So if you go to iHeartMyLife.com and go to our courses page, you're going to see iHeartMoney on there. If you use the promo code podcast, you're going to save that 15%. We'll also link it in the show notes. I want to make sure that you are able to create as much wealth as you desire, because that's the only way that you're going to be able to impact the world and step fully into your purpose and have all of the opportunities that you desire. You deserve to live a life of abundance. You deserve to be fully satisfied. You deserve to be fulfilled. And that's what I Heart Money is all about. So again, it's perfect for you if you are a new entrepreneur. It's perfect for you if you are a seasoned entrepreneur looking to go to the next level. It's perfect for you if you're in a career and you want to have a raise. It's perfect for you if you want to support your team and going to the next level. Maybe you have a sales team and you want to help them hit their next level money goals. It's also perfect for you if you want to learn all about money mindset and teach it to your clients. So again, go to iheartmylife.com, go to the courses page and check out iHeartMoney and use the promo code podcast to save 15% welcome to the show dr james oh hi emily i love you sister couldn't be more happy well i don't know if you know but you were the first guest on the i heart my life show back in 2018 and we've since rebranded and relaunched our company and we're headed in the direction of supporting all women and creating a life better than their dreams in a holistic way. It's not just about entrepreneurs. It's not just about business. It's about something so much greater. And I feel like you've always seen that for me and also for the company. Well, number one, congratulations. Thank you for taking the trust walk because I know this is all heart for you. And um, boy, I said that and a little choked up. I, I know this brand is you and this is the DNA of who you are because the DNA of who you are is love. And um, I can't even imagine a better thing for you to expand the way that your love shows up. So more and more people feel welcome to experience your love. Thank you. I was thinking about our conversations in previous years, and I know there was one sort of mental image that you held of me walking on the beach, wearing like a beautiful, beautiful, flowy dress covered with flowers. And at that point in time, when you said that to me, I didn't really wear patterns. And then there was like this explosion of me wearing everything floral. And James, my James always reminds me, you know, Dr. James had that vision. And now we live in Santa Barbara and look at you walking on the beach in this flowy dress. (laughs) So I just wanted to bring that up. I love that. I, I love, I love that too, Emily, because I think when I shared that with you, it was all about the sundress and the sun being sort of this beacon and this sort of, um, evolution of your freedom more than anything is what I was sensing. Mm. And I, I so applaud you um, because it takes a lot of courage. Um, reinvention happens every moment of our life, but whether or not we actually listen and pay attention and give ourselves permission to expand the vision that we have for ourselves. I mean, so many other people will see all of our greatness, but for us to see it, oh my goodness, that's the hardest thing in the world. And wh- why is it that way? God only knows, 
But I so appreciate the fact that you were willing to look within and blossom in that way. I mean, the flowers and the patterns, that was a metaphor, obviously, for blossoming. Yes. So I'm going to share a little bit about how you've impacted me. And I just wanted to start there because I think it's so important that people understand just how incredible you are. And I know they're going to get that from this episode, but I want people to really open up their hearts and really listen in a different way than they normally do. And, you know, it's really interesting. I'm not sure if I've shared this with you before, but before we met, I had this call with a psychic and she said, somebody with gray hair is going to come into your life. He's going to be in his fifties and he's going to make a huge impact on your life. And I was like, that's weird, but okay. And at the time I was thinking about going to Necker Island to go on this excursion and meet Richard Branson. And so I thought, okay, maybe it's Richard Branson, but then that didn't happen. And then a few months later, we met you randomly at the Titan summit. And for those people who don't know this story, I basically bought that ticket on a complete whim. I had no idea what the Titan Summit was. I saw it flash up on the screen at another event and just knew I had to be there. And then we saw you speak at that event and it was so transformational. But the only issue was that I missed half of your presentation because I had to go take a coaching call. But I felt so called to connect with you. And, you know, later on, you actually came into a Facebook Live that I was doing and you said something, you know, completely mind blowing to our community. And I was like, I need to work with him. And so I reached out and ended up working with you for a bit, doing work that you normally, I don't think you do with many people. <laughs> um, but what you opened my eyes to was just falling in love with my life and myself in a different way. And you have since been such a bright light for myself and for James. And, you know, recently we've connected with your wife in a deeper way as well. And we just feel so inspired by everything that comes out of your mouth. Like that's <laughs> not even an exaggeration. But today, what I really want to touch on is the fact that for me, I always come back to, you know, what would Dr. James do? And I see you living your best life. I see you with a focus on happiness more than anything else and doing things that fuel you. And so today's conversation for me is really about that because I feel like I'm coming full circle and coming back to this origin of why I started I Heart My Life in the first place. And it's about loving your life. And so I wanted to put that out there because I feel like there are a million things that we could discuss, but above all else, I'd love to know a little bit more about you and happiness, how you maintain joy and this, this presence that, you know, when people are around you, literally they burst into tears, um, in a good way. Like, how do you, how are you that person and how do you maintain it? Oh gosh, Emily, there's so much <laughs> there. Um, number one, thank you. Thank you for seeing me. That means the world to me. Um, and I really think it's super important that everyone here gets the opportunity to kind of unpack the word happiness, right? Because, oh my gosh, over the last 20 years, how many books have we seen written on happiness? And sometimes we say, I mean, what is this? You know, is this meaning that everything is working? And that's always where I begin, Emily. I always ask myself, you know, what does it mean to have your life working? And I think that's where I derive most of my happiness. And working doesn't mean everything is great. It means that everything is life. And if you can embrace all of it, there's a pretty good chance that you are going to find more joy. I find joy so often in contrast. 
You know, I think contrast. So many people these days, I, I think, Emily, since you and I have known each other, we've had such deep dialogue around um, why so many people will hold themselves back from what they know so deeply in their heart is aching to be realized. And that in of itself is part of the DNA of happiness, right? Having the contrast of knowing, oh yeah, this is me talking myself out of my greatness. This is me not willing to look deep within and really, really feel my worthiness. That's what I get most of my happiness of. And I, I, I want to really, when, when something's coming up, Emily, we, we need to not be afraid to look and look with soft eyes. I think all too often we look with these hard, critical, harsh eyes that are so wanting, if you will, to, to find something wrong to fix rather than to find something right to heal. Mm. I think that right there, that's the story of all of our lives. When are we going to be willing to look at what is right so we can heal? Mm. If something is coming up for us, it's aching to be seen. And it doesn't usually come out and really fully present itself in the ways that we'd love it to, unless we do it with soft eyes, the, the eyes of compassion. And we welcome it in so we can explore it in a way that is exciting and, and um, somewhat scary, but scary in a good way. Scary in such a way that we go, oh my gosh, what if I actually said yes to my life? What if I actually didn't talk myself out of how much I know my worthiness is just aching to be realized and what it's going to take is for me to stay present with the stuff that's hard so I can have contrast to then discover the stuff that makes me happy. I think that's where my happiness comes. I mean, gosh, Emily, I have so many tragic experiences in my life, tragic in the sense that um, postponing my joy. Not that, you know, growing up in a family of alcoholics and having struggles, watching my family go through so much pain is that my unwillingness to see how much pain that brought to me and then harboring that and holding myself back until I was really willing to open up and say, you know what? That's not you. That's your family. You've seen it. How do you want to learn from it? How would you like to grow from it? What is in there for you to learn what to love? more in you from that. And, you know, I don't know if you'd categorize that as trauma, but we've been talking about trauma a lot on the podcast recently. So was that kind of the first step, like recognizing that you don't have to identify with all of that pain, but you can use it to ask yourself questions and to transform? Like, was that the start of the transformation for you? I think it was, Emily, and I, I, I've always, you know, I'm, my graduate works in transpersonal psychology, so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that whole idea of changing self, growing self, evolving the self. And I think that some of the best people who go into therapy or become therapists or become physicians like I did, it's because we've been through something hard. We've been through something dark. And I think your community is probably really a beautiful demonstration of this. I think so many people I've met in your community, Emily, these are people who've mastered something hard. They, they've seen it. They've felt it. It's knocked them down. They've questioned whether or not they could rise back up again. But I think what I've seen in you and I've seen in your community, I've seen it in James, and I've certainly seen it in my life, is that you don't necessarily have to do an archaeological dig to heal. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to do. Now, I'm not dismissing some of the deeper stuff. Um, I get deeper stuff. 
I experienced emotional and physical abuse as a child. Uh, I experienced deep, deep trauma with some of the things I saw and felt. But I think when I was in my late teens, what I started to realize is that um, when I started studying more psychology, it was about how the limbic system, which is where we house our emotions, and how the limbic system doesn't necessarily have to repeat over and over again. It doesn't necessarily want us to go in there and spend all of our time there. It wants us to feel like, number one, why am I going in to look? And what am I hoping to heal? Those are two really important questions that anyone who's working with trauma need to ask ourselves. What am I going here to look for? And what am I hoping to heal? Mm. That sometimes gives us permission not to necessarily have to dig and dig and dig and dig, but to dig just deep enough to allow ourselves to say, oh, I must love myself to do this work. This is pretty heroic. This is pretty exemplary as someone who must really care about herself or himself. That has been a giant distinction for me. Um, and I can't tell you the thousands of people I've worked with over the last nearly 30 years, Emily, there's something freeing about looking at trauma that way. There's yeah. something open about not nearly having to say, I have to dwell in the darkness so long in order to give myself permission to say, no wonder you haven't felt good. No wonder you haven't felt like you could heal. Rather than, I can see the darkness just long enough to say, what would I love to heal in this darkness? Yeah, that's beautiful. And one of the key words that stands out to me there is that element of love. And I feel like that's also what you radiate out into the world. And with everything going on in the world, and I know that you can be very political and I know you have strong opinions and I know there are things that upset you. How do you maintain this feeling of love for people you meet? And, you know, I, I want to just say one more thing before I ask the question. When James and I see a lot of spiritual teachers out there, we see a lot of people retreating and not wanting to be around people who are different than them and feeling like we've even had people say to us, oh, please don't wear perfume when you come out to dinner with us because we're too sensitive to that now. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, we hear a lot of people just unable to be around the rest of the world once they do their work. But I feel like you're the opposite of that. And James and I really admire that because you show up with love for everyone, regardless of the situation. How do you maintain that? And is that an active decision? Oh my gosh. It's probably the most active decision I think I make in my life. And I don't mean that egotistically. I mean that spiritually. I mean that because as someone who is absolutely radically addicted to personal growth the way I am, how do we think we're going to grow if we're just hanging with our tribe? I, 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 I have hung with my tribe a lot. I love my tribe. But boy, oh boy, I don't do a lot of growing there. It's comfortable. It's beautiful. It's easy. And boy, do I love it. But I find when I move into different circles outside of where I'm typically comfortable, whether it's politically, whether it's uh, values, whether, gosh, my gosh, Emily, we could, there's a hundred things that we are now finding ourselves in silos and creating us and them dialogue with. I actively look for how I can engage with anyone who I know I am trying to figure out what's in it for me that I have been unwilling to love about them. Mm. Why do you think that's so important? Because we don't get out of this unless we do that. 
Mm. We just don't. And uh, I, I think right now people who are into the greatest entrepreneurial activity today is learning how to love all walks, all faiths, all orientations, all. You want to be a phenomenal entrepreneur? Let that be your model of how it is that you're going to grow yourself, your community, your business. Learn how to love all of them, every one of them. And that's been some of the greatest things I've ever had to do in my life because you're right. I am, a, I am an activist. I protest. I walk. I picket. I shout. I am, I'm, a, I'm a father of two daughters. You can only imagine. They're both. A, so I, I am an ardent feminist. And I know that right now the world is such, is, is so much more comfortable with looking away and creating separation where I believe the universe, God, the light, the highest power is saying, how dare you do something that's so easy? I've given you everything that you need to know how to be daring enough to love everyone. Can you imagine if we did that instead? Does that mean we have to agree? Does that mean we have to align in values? That means nothing about that. Love doesn't do that. That's what our intellect does. That's what our amygdala does. That's what all kinds of other things do. But I think right now for anyone who's willing to take the greatest trust walk of your life, figure out what's in it for you and why it is that you hold yourself back from loving all walks, all faiths, all orientations and see how much baggage you are willing to let go in that experience. And it really pertains to what we were talking about before we hit record around relationships and the level of transformation that's available for all of us when we are in relationship, whether that's with our spouse or, you know, whoever we're encountering, people facilitate so much transformation and growth if we're willing to go there. Yeah, I mean, growth doesn't happen in hate. Let's get really clear. Growth doesn't happen in separation. Let's be super clear. Growth happens with integration. Growth happens when we're opening our heart and exposing those deep and vulnerable spaces of ourselves. Oh my gosh, what if I get hurt? What if I'm judged? What if they don't agree with me? What if they make fun of me? What if they hate on me? What if? What will I do with that? I become so beautifully unattached to the outcome. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me how you do that. <laughs> I, I mean, because I really know that this is between me and God. This is between me and the universe. This is between me and my heart. This is between me and my purpose. Whatever's happening out there, absolutely I feel. But that's not up to me how they turn out. <laughs> it's how do I show up is all that matters. You know, you and I have talked a lot about this whole idea of like locus of control. You may think of like Victor Frankl's work with um, Man's Search for Meaning, like a, that's a Bible for so many people who are into entrepreneurs and social circle development and just growing communities. That, that whole work was about just getting super clear about what you can control and herein lies your happiness. So I've really come to a place that I, here's, you know what? Yeah, I can control what I eat. I can control that I'm going to move my body. I can control that I'll meditate. I never really got until the last maybe 15 or so years. I also can control what I love. And I actually can control that I want to love everyone. Wow. That would be, that would probably be the greatest work of all of our lives if we're willing to explore that. 
And I can tell you, it's, it's not as hard as it sounds. If we're not on out, when we get on outcome, that's when it becomes super hard. Like, oh, they're going to love me back. Oh, they're going to change. Oh, they have to do something other than what they're presently doing. But if I'm just loving with no outcome and that's only my purpose, man, I, I am going from carrying nine bags of baggage to carry on. And I am super stoked. I am lightweight. I am at ease and I'm living with grace. I feel like that's also about acceptance. You know, if you're not trying to control other people and you're just showing up with love, then you're not taking responsibility for them. You're not trying to change the situation. You're in full acceptance, which is where the lightness also comes in. I think it does, Emily. You said that so beautifully. It's about like being present for what is, is love. Not wanting to change the outcome, not trying to see how it could be different or better. We pretty much in our locus have controlled the highest the highest job description of every human being today is to understand that our locus of control is the center of love. And if we only put our focus there, our business will flourish. Our relationships will flourish. Our ability to have peace and grace in our life in such a way that you really look like you're the person that people go, I, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what she, how she does it. All I know is I want to be around that field of energy. Hmm. So you're not doing any selling. You're not doing any marketing. All you're doing is being. Yeah. And you definitely have that. Like you radiate something special that people just gravitate towards. So at what point, so I'm curious to know, cause I've heard some insider information about from your wife about <laughs> the early days and how, you know, you were speaking and traveling and getting up early. And I know you still speak and travel, but it was to a different degree back then. Yes. So I'm curious to know, was there a transformation from operating from a place of hard work and striving to what you just described now? Absolutely. I, I think for a lot of us, and when I was a young entrepreneur, yeah, you're right. I'm the gray hair guy in my 50s. I've started five businesses from scratch. Um, I, I have been at the willpower side of things for much of my life. And maybe my wife shared this with you and Emily, uh, Emily and James, both of you, is that, um, gosh, maybe it was really about maybe about 15 years ago when I was looking at willpower as a superpower and realized it was actually one of my greatest liabilities. And that's when I decided to really explore the idea of willingness. Moving away from willpower, which was ego-driven, outcome-driven, how much money, how much this, how much influence. Oh my goodness, got two kids to, I, I mean, I'm a dad. I think about not just college and as my wife and I do, but I also think about their weddings. I think about, so those were my willpower drivers, um, all these things. I also want to be a man that always, always respected their mom. That gets me emotional. That was my most important job. Make sure that my daughters see their dad love their mom. Give them that. I didn't see that growing up. So I thought, you know, I remember when we were first pregnant. Man, I didn't expect this, Emily. Um, when we first got pregnant, I was so worried that I was going to be like my parents. I was so worried to be like my dad. And uh, I remember telling dad, even just before we, even before we had our first baby, it's like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I'm up for this. What happens if I'm like my dad? I'm not, I'm not 
diminishing my father. My dad had a lot of struggles. But I do believe when we get so caught up in the pushing and the striving and the wanting to be successful, which I was absolutely wonderfully attached to, so much of that willpower really needed to transform in order for me to transform. I had to transform it into willingness. Willingness is such a different level of energy compared to willpower. Willingness is like when you let your soul speak for you. It's like when you let your heart dictate what it is that you say yes to. And all of a sudden, my businesses went amazingly much better. All of a sudden, the lightness of travel didn't seem like such a chore. All of a sudden, the way that I showed up in my marriage was so much more present. It was almost like it was miraculous and so simple, Emily. I, I think that right now we're all kind of looking for a new way to relay. We're, we're trying to figure out what does our business look like COVID generation? What does it look like? Do I don't travel when I go and speak? Can I do it through a Zoom? Can I do this in a new way? Because I learned when I was in quarantine or you know, spending more time at home, did I really start to fall in love with that kind of quietness and the simplicity of that rhythm? I know I did. Um, but I also felt myself just going, oh my gosh, self-awareness and discernment are gonna be my new things I'm gonna really become professional at. I'm going to be professional at self-awareness and professional at discernment. My professionalism is going to be make sure everything you choose to say yes to is absolutely moving the deeper needle in your soul, not just your bank account. Discernment is making sure you do it in such a way that you're not on outcome, but you're on purpose. Oh, I so resonate with that. <laughs> right? Every decision I've made in the last eight months has been exactly what you just described. And it's oh, not easy. It's not, it's not easy. easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, entrepreneurs by definition are risk takers. That's what we do. But we don't always do it with a level of absoluteness. Is that part of it? Well, how's it going to turn out? Right. But what if I only this one time do it because the money's good? What if I do it this one time because it's a great... It's a great opportunity, even though I'm not totally connected to it at the soul level. Well, you know what? That is an insidious decline of integrity just waiting to happen. <laughs> I love that description. Yeah, you're so right. And, you know, I said I um, recently wrote this eight-part email series about all the decisions I've made over the last eight months. And one of the things I said is, you know, at one point, it's not that you stop caring about the money, but you care more about being in alignment. And that's what, that was a big aha for me. And, and I ultimately know that if I'm more in alignment, then I'm able to reach more people. And then of course the business will grow, but there's like something that has to shift in your mind where you get obsessed with being on purpose and being true to yourself and being in integrity with the vision and that becomes the most important thing. And the thing that it's like the benchmark that you, you know, measure everything against. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful, Emily. It's so powerful. I hope everyone really, really leans into that, what you just said, because not only will your business flourish and not only will your sense of peace will be exponential, but what we know about purpose, this is so beautiful, is that we know that people who continually sort of expand their idea of success and allow purpose to be the compass that's so 
integrated into all decisions systemically with our physiology and our neurochemistry we start just being divergent just by nature we're, we become divergent our, our ideas are, are so much more prolific and how they serve such a greater good and i think you and i absolutely know this i mean this community that we're a part of right now people who are here people who are listening we certainly know at the quantum level when we're doing exponential work not just what's right before us but what's happening all around us because we're coming from purpose not only does our business just find exponential monetary like oh my goodness but there's this secret sacred thing that happens underneath all of that is that we start to infuse hope in anyone who's been in our field of influence there is nothing more attractive on the planet than a human being who radiates hope nothing because hope isn't frivolous hope isn't something you can easily dismiss hope is the only thing that actually neurochemically allows others to see what's possible in them by witnessing it in you oh it's that's so interesting yeah it is the ultimate currency the ultimate currency of transformation so if any of your community, whether entrepreneurs, coaches, um, people who are in the work of helping others to expand their influence in the world, make sure your primary currency is walking with a degree of hope in everything that you do, being present with a degree of hope because neurochemically, the brain gravitates like nothing else to someone who carries that level of hope as their primary currency of what it is they are here to do. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. That resonates so much, not just from, you know, the way you just described it, but also from a marketing perspective. I'm just like thinking about all the people I love to follow and all the emails I love to read and what they're really infused with is exactly what you just described. Yeah, we, you know, it's beautiful, Emily. This is like the best kind of science. It's when you get three or four great universities, everybody from Stanford to Hopkins to actually coalesce and put together their research and say, what makes that part of the brain, the limbic system, where we have the emotional optimism, our sense of hope, our willingness to expand, what lights it up more than anything else? Seeing someone else be a demonstration of it. Dropping the ego and soulfully carrying that degree of hope because they are not seeing how it's going to turn out they're only concerned about how they show up. Mm, yeah. I don't care what's going to turn out. How am I showing up? That is our mantra. Every door we walk through, how am I showing up? Am I showing up with love? As am I, is my primary currency to try to get them to buy my program or is it to feel hope? Mm. And do you feel like when you landed on that, that was part of you shifting from um, you know, into the willingness space instead of willpower? 100% because it felt like that was truly what all humans were designed, created to be. Mm. We are all given this experience neurochemically, physiologically, spiritually to be vessels of hope. And I know there's so much despair right now on the planet. All we have to do is direct uh, too much of our attention into most of the media and we will lose our hope. Or we can go about decorating our opulent bubble, get really, really clear about what we have to do each and every morning to curate our own museum of hope. 
Where are you placing the pictures? What kind of breathing practices do you? What kind of food are you putting in your body? Who are you hanging with? So you have the fortification of hope then to go out in the world and integrate and mingle with all walks, all faiths, all orientations, and do it to agree with love and hope as the currency that you walk with. And what does that look like for you tangibly every morning? How do you set yourself up for those sort of days? Well, you know what? There's one thing I'm dying to do. I want to do a seminar. I want to do a workshop. I want to do like a week with you and James where we literally live this. We live this. Yes, please. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. I mean, how much fun would this be that we literally, and I, I, I get up at four in the morning, not because of I, you know, I'm, I'm going to milk the cows. It's because I got to, I got to get myself right with God. I got to get myself aligned with the universe. So between four and four thirty. I pray, I do my mantra, I do my visualizations. I get myself so good with what it is that I want to be feeling. And then immediately I go into a 45 minute experience between 20 minutes of Peloton, 25 minutes of a rigorous body weight, yoga, weights, everything. Come out of that. And then I go in, I'm looking over here at my meditation space, which has an acupressure mat with all kinds of little needles sticking out of it. I take a cold shower outdoors, ice cold. I come back into my space, take off my clothes and lay on that mat. And I meditate for 30 minutes and breathe like my life depends on it. At 6.30 in the morning, I am a ninja. <laughs> Just, I, I, I mean, Emily, oh my gosh. And when I go upstairs, I'm the husband I want to be. I'm the dad I have to be. I'm the man, I'm the human, I'm the entrepreneur I really, really desire to be. Mm. That's what gets me to do that every single morning. I haven't missed a morning easily in over 30 years. Wow. And that's not an ego statement. That is my penance. That's my penance for having the willingness to show up the way you do, the way you and James do, the way my wife Deborah does. That doesn't come easily. It comes naturally. Think about that distinction. It doesn't come easily. It comes naturally. But we have to get in alignment with the natural laws of the universe in order for it to happen. And how did you do that? I just listened and said, you know what? There's, there is this beautiful thing, this chemistry set in your brain and your body. It loves movement. It loves to sweat. It loves to find ways to find a breathing practice that ignites your parasympathetic, your parasympathetic side of your nervous system, which allows you to be thinking from a place of peace and possibility, not stress and deficiency. Mm. And then I just put together a practice and tried. I mean, my goodness. I mean, the iterations and the iterations and iterations until I was like, okay, this is the sequence that works. Now be willing to love yourself into that every single morning because the penance that you want will come in the rest of the next 8, 12, 14 hours of serving something bigger than yourself. Because when you say, you, go ahead. When you say penance, what do you mean by that? I mean that it's not easy. Mm -hmm. We want to have joy. We want to have success. We want to have peace. We want to have great relationships. But are we willing to do the deepest work of our lives before anyone lays eyes on us? And I'm curious, I, I love that you just said that, but it's bringing up so many questions. How do you do that as a married person? Like, do you and Deborah have your separate practices? Yes. Okay. We do. And it's, 
probably not. I mean, we do a lot of the similar things. I just get up about an hour and a half earlier than she does. Mm-hmm. And it's because I do believe that for, we've been together almost 30 years, Emily. And um, we we're incredibly good together and we, we love pretty much everything together, but I find it being sexy, attractive, mysterious that I get a chance to go and do this deep work. So when I show up as her husband, as her biggest fan, as the one who loves her to the cows come home, oh my goodness, you better go and get private with how much work you're willing to do in order to be that partner that you want to be. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's really, I think that keeps the relationship beautiful. It keeps it, you know, there's enough mystery in our relationship after 30 years that I want her to know that I love her so much. More important, I love myself that much that I want to be that person. Hmm. And is that what it, is that what it comes back to, you know, what fuels you to continue that practice for 30 years? Is it self-love? 100%. And that is never, ever easy, but it's always right. There are so many times that I can go back and start an archaeological dig about where I made a mistake, where I wish I'd done something differently, where an opportunity was right before my very eyes, but I couldn't see it because I was so caught up in something else, some other narrative of not feeling worthy, not feeling smart enough, not feeling capable enough. And I literally pulled myself out of that opportunity because of that. So I can go back and find all kinds of reasons that I can carry into each and every day moving forward. That's like holding myself as a hostage to my history. Or I can use as a contrast to say, if I was to take that, learn from it, what's the greatest lesson I can apply now? Love yourself deeper and then you will not miss the next one. I love how you said, hold myself hostage to my history. How many of us are doing that? Oh my gosh, Emily, who, who, who hasn't had that experience? And who hasn't been brave enough to say, oh my gosh, look at this. This is so me living a historical element of my life. That's keeping me from experiencing the kind of love I'd love to have in my life. Mm, Past hurt, past regret. Um, a business opportunity that you failed once in your life, you say, gosh, you know what? I must not be smart enough or financially savvy enough or technologically literate enough, or can I love myself into this next iteration and see whether or not it's going to be true for me this time? Yeah. And when you came up with your morning practice, so to speak, was your kind of metric for measuring what worked? Was it feeling good? Was it energy? What was it that told you that was the sequence? Two things. Feeling more compassionate, number one. Because it's hard to do that every morning. And it takes a level of compassion to stay present with things that are hard. And the other side of it was the exquisite peace that came with it. Mm. there's just something about finishing your personal practice. And then when you emerge back into the world, for me, it's emerging upstairs, seeing Deborah, seeing my kids when they're home. There is nothing like that personal piece of being in a space where 
you know that you've done your work and then you get a chance to flourish before the very eyes of the people you do the work for. Yeah. And I know one of your other more daily practices is, well, at least I believe this to be true. You don't use your phone that much. Is that accurate? It's very accurate. So I, I try to go as long as I can. And, you know, hopefully I, I, I'm, I, if I can go into the afternoon and haven't even touched my phone, man, I am, I'm on fire. I'm so good. <laughs> and what is the, like, what is the issue with your phone? Like, why, why is the goal not to touch it? Well, I think it's not necessarily, I mean, people go, well, I need my phone. It's my business. I need my phone. It's how I communicate with my mom, my husband, my wife, whatever. True. But which degree do you use your phone? I think what we have to really be clear about, and for me, it's really, really clear that um, I'm highly, I'm, I'm a very, very empathic person. And I can lose myself in narratives that I can't control. So that is pretty much one of my greater challenges. So how did I actually overcome that challenge? Give myself the opportunity not to get lost in other narratives that I can't control. Yeah. The smartphone can make us dumb. Make us dumb by putting us in places where we can't control the impulse to try to control narratives that we can't. Thank you for that. Isn't That's that so just powerful. like, yeah. That is gold. Yeah. I'm not saying because I say, because I think everyone who's in our community right now, Emily, are going, oh my goodness, how often have I been lost in narratives that I can't control because my smartphone convinced me it was a good place to go? Oh my gosh. Our <laughs> smartphone makes us dumb. <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome, Emily. And thank you because this is the kind of conversation that entrepreneurs, self-help junkies, people who want to be, you know, spiritually awake and financially awesome and relationship sexy, this is the conversation we need to have. So true. The only thing that we haven't yet covered is something you mentioned briefly around saying yes to your life. And I've been really thinking about what that looks like. And I feel like that's a great way to describe what we do at I Heart My Life is get people to get clear around what is a, a full yes for you. And I think for so many years, we've spoken to business owners. And the truth is, is not everyone should be a business owner. Not everyone wants to be a business owner. And so I feel like by coming full circle, we're able to speak to so many more people who have a different definition of successful life. And so I'm curious to know, what would you say to people who are potentially hesitant to live their best life or hesitant to say a full yes? Because sometimes that means letting go of something or changing directions or leaving the relationship. Like what is when you might go into a place of fear or um, question whether you have the strength or something is a full yes, what, what do you do and what would you say to people? I would say most importantly, the full yes is your birthright. That is just like something we don't think about enough. It's your birthright. I, I, I'm a big believer, Emily. When we take our first breath, when we come into this experience of this life, that is a vow we have made with the universe. That is a vow. That is a declaration. That's a demonstration of a full yes. So, 
be very clear the fact that you are here, the fact that your heart is beating, the fact that your mind is racing, thinking about things that you could have done, should have done, wish you have done. Emily says to you, oh my gosh, reinvention, changing degrees, changing support, changing my life, changing this. That's all yes. Those aren't no's, that's yes. And that's such an important distinction because I think sometimes, so often in life, we think when we're going to change or we're going to let go of something or we're going to reinvent, it's a no, this thing isn't working. Please step back and say, oh my gosh, this is the universe saying, yes, this is what I'm going for. Oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> I mean, let's just give ourselves permission not to make it about no, or yeah. I messed up, or I screwed up, or I made the wrong decision, or I'm wrong. No, you're not. Universe finally got through to you and said, you are finally saying yes. Mm. I'm going to direct your energy. I'm going to direct your light. I'm going to direct your genius, your beauty, your brilliance, and your awesomeness this way. Thank you for saying that. Love it. Isn't that so good? It's so good. Everything you say is so good. I already have like a million quotes I want to pull out and put <laughs> all over social media. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, you and I have a great, we have a great connection for many reasons, the greatest one of which I think you and I are fans of humanity. Yeah. We're, we're fans of seeing people not ever dim their light to make the world more comfortable. And I think saying yes right now is heroic. We are, you know, people talk about cancel culture over and over again. Why don't we create the emphatic yes movement? as a contrast to cancel culture. Mm. The emphatic yes movement was simply when we give ourselves permission to be still along in our sides to say, if I truly believe that I am alive to the degree that I serve, what will be the greatest yes to allow my service to impact humanity at the highest degree? Is that something you ask yourself on a daily basis? Every single day. When I pop off my acupressure mat, which is wonderfully uncomfortable, but stimulates all the, all the circuitry in my being, I just say, I am alive to the degree that I serve. And what will I stand for today as the highest degree of my service? And how tonight will that impact the level of peace I lay down with? Thank you for that. Yeah, I think so often we forget about the element of service. Sometimes we start there, but then we kind of wander and drift to other directions. And when we come back to that, people experience the hope that we talked about. We feel the peace. We actually live out our purpose. So that's such a great question to get yourself back into alignment as well. Yeah, and 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 not make it a zero-sum game, right? Not make it an all or nothing. There's degrees of awareness. Every human being has degrees of awareness based on what's going on around them, what's happening inside of them. But I think we do know the degree of yes that gives us the permission to explore the next evolution of that yes. Yeah. Yeah, and we know. We do. Oh my gosh, please give yourself <laughs> credit. We do know. We, know. we do know. As much as sometimes it'd be so easy not to take full responsibility for our life, the only thing that's ever worked in a great life is when we took full responsibility 
for it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Final question we always ask our guests here. I know I've asked you before. I'm going to ask you again, though. What is one way people can create a life that's better than their dreams? Delusional optimism is a superpower. Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I uh, listen, I. I remember so clearly when I was in third grade, undiagnosed dyslexic a crazy messed up home life and being told by a teacher who I remember her name very well, but she will remain nameless today. You won't amount to anything. Get in the corner. And I remember putting my face into the corner and the snickering behind my back, the, the names at recess 20 minutes later. I remember all of that. So what I believe when I say delusional optimism, there is no way, given the fact that I'm a product of six divorces between my mom and my dad, systemic alcoholism, alcoholism for five generations that I know of, There is no way that I should be a sober, happily married with two amazing kids, flourishing business, living in the middle of the Rockies in a beautiful home without it. So I'm delusional in the sense that I didn't decide to degree or give any credence to anything I was told at one time that didn't make me feel good. I love that. And I feel like along with the hope that you radiate, that's one of the things that also draws people to you is not only optimism for yourself, but optimism for others. I think that's really, there's nothing greater than to feel that for, for everyone, Mm. not just the people who vote the way you do, not just for the people who look the way you do, go to the church, the way you do go to wherever you go to more importantly, why don't you become hopeful for the person who is opposite as you perceive they are to you? Yeah. That is entrepreneurial. Mm. That's delusional optimism today. Yeah. And that's needed now more than ever. Oh my gosh. You want to create a movement? Fall in love with everybody. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Let's leave it there, Dr. James. We could right? talk That's about like, oh my goodness, did he say that? Yeah. Fall in love with everyone? Crap. Do I have to fall in love with him? <laughs> not, not intimately. Yeah. Spiritually, you do. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you so much for being here and for everything that you've shared. I know that this is going to go down in the history books of the I Heart My Life show, just as, you know, with everything that you do. You're also a part of my book. Um, so people can find you in many places within our community. So thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and all your love. Thank you for the honor of having me. And thank your community, all of you in this community, for being delusionally optimistic to what it is that you want to bring into your life. And then absolutely taking a stand for it like your life depends on it, because it does. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. 
The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag IHurtMyLifeShow. That's hashtag IHurtMyLifeShow. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.